Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, sound equipment guys. Appreciate you all very much. Uh, today we're here on behalf of family and friends and because we want to be here, right? But a question arose after listening to the scripture that Denise just wrote, let, read just a moment ago. And that question is this. What is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? Why am I here? So this was a question that uh, the church decided, that not this church, but another church, decided to go out and ask these questions to people. They approached the first man, and they had a, a, a camera, and they asked the guy, what's the meaning of life? He says, well, of course, it's to create more human beings and continue the human race. Well, that's a very human response, isn't it? And another person was asked that same question. He said, he was middle-aged, he said, well, it's to pay all the bills, of course. And as the camera crew rounded the corner, they saw a bunch of uh, young women. And they were laughing and having a great time. And they asked the question, what's the meaning of life? They said, oh, it's to have fun. Obviously, the father was the first one. He was paying the bills, right? Yeah. Finally, several other people said, I have no idea. I don't know what the meaning of life is. So Jesus is, is being forced to answer a question. It's one of those questions that, that burns in most of our minds. It burns in my mind. It's a what-if question. What if the world was different? If only someone did do this for me, then my future would be different. This is a question that's given. The crowd is around Jesus. He's very popular. And they say, Teacher, tell my brother, I love that, to divide the family inheritance with me. In other words, if my brother will share this with me, my future will be different. I'll have land, I'll have transportation, I'll have goods laid up for me. Who doesn't want that? Right? But I'm interested in what's happening today in the 21st century. Did you know that we're right on the cusp of the greatest wealth transfer the world has ever known? Between 30 and 60 trillion dollars, T with a trillion, not B trillion dollars will exchange hands within the next 20 to 30 years. Why? Because the baby boomers are getting older and soon that wealth will be transferred over to the millennial generation. Did you know that the top 1% of the wealthiest people on earth, 26 billionaires, own over 50% of all the wealth in the world? An amazing statistic. So what would change in your life if you had the potential to have wealth beyond your means or beyond your wildest beliefs? Your world would change. Now, I knew a pastor several years ago and he uh, volunteered or actually took classes on dispute resolution to be an arbitrator. Now, we have any lawyers here? 
I'm sure we could get a, the difference between arbitrator and a person who willingly deals all that. But anyway, this, this particular legal argument was going on between a brother and a sister, and the pastor was called in because they hoped that there would become some kind of spiritual resolution to it. There was a family business. They were wanting the, the assets to be transferred into the name of the brother and the sister. And there was a conflict over amounts and what it was going to be and all those things that always happen, apparently. And it took several sessions before they were able to come to some kind of resolution, though it wasn't particularly easy. But you can imagine, you probably know people who've been through lawsuits and through millions of dollars in inheritance issues. In biblical times, these issues were of inheritance were settled at the gates. Now, in ancient times, they had walled cities. These walled cities oftentimes had daughter towns that were attached to them. In other words, when there was uh, an aggressor, the, the daughter cities would come into the walled cities. And you hear this in the uh, Psalms, Daughters of Zion. You, you remember that text in the Psalms? Well, that means the, the cities that had no protection. They had to come to the walls. And inside these walled cities, they had gates. Now, these gates were rather large in large walled cities to protect against the enemy, of course. But within these walls, they would oftentimes have a place where the king would sit and dispute resolution. Oftentimes, those of great wealth would be settled by the king. Smaller disputes would be, would be meted out with the elders and the wise people of that community. Now, at the city gates, you can remember in the book of Psalm 23, it says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and see. Such an odd thing. We have no idea what that means, right? Such an odd thing. What does that mean? Lift up your heads, O gates, and see. In other words, the head of the gates are the rabbis, the king, the people who are settling disputes. They're praying for wise counsel that the disputes that are being dis discussed and settled will be done wisely. Lift up your gates. Lift up your heads, O gates, and see. Forgive me. Listen to this. Jesus is, is now experiencing this settlement. The person is coming to him. He wants him to make a legal recommendation to settle an inheritance dispute. And Jesus says, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? In other words, no, I'm not going to be your judge. Just not going to do it. Instead, Jesus uses opportunity to direct the ever-growing throng of followers to think about the meaning of life. Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. 
We live in a, in a land of acquisitions. I can get on my iPhone, I can press a button to Amazon and have it delivered to my house. It's a miracle of technology that we now live in, of instantaneous gratification. Wealth can be transferred in a matter of seconds through the digital networks. We live in spectacular times. How appropriate that Jesus would say something as ancient as these words. Be on your guard against all greediness. The Greek word, plexia, is a word that's broken down into one word as pleon, which means more. And the second word is echo, which means to have, to have more. Greediness, insatiable desire for what one wants to have. You may be thinking, what's wrong with more stuff? Well, unless you've moved in the last two or three years, you don't know. (laughs) What a burden. Thank you for asking that question, by the way. What's wrong with more stuff? Jesus continues his parable. He says, once there was a rich man who was having a good harvest from his land. And he said to himself, hmm, self, I don't have enough to put into my small little barn. Let's tear down these barns and big builder, larger barns and store all my grain and my goods in them. And I'll say to my soul, my soul, you have plenty of things laid up for you for many years to come. Take things easy. Eat, drink, be merry. Sounds like Ecclesiastes, doesn't it? But God said to him, fool, this very night the demand will be made of your soul. This horde of yours, whose will it be then? It's not so much that he was going to build a bigger barn. It's the fact that he kept it to himself. He was talking to himself. He was saying to himself, self. If I build larger barns, then I can say to my soul, soul, you have ample supply for the future. He was speaking to himself. He wasn't consulting with anyone else. It's a very narrow way of thinking. The mathematician Pascal wrote, we do not rest satisfied with the present. We anticipate the future as too slow in coming as we hasten its course. We recall the past to, as being too slow for our impatience. So imprudent are we that we dream of the times that are no more. Generally, the present is painful to us. And we can seal it, seal it from our side. And we regret to see it pass away. We sustain it by the future. And we arrange it. We have no certainty of reaching. If each one examines his thoughts and finds them occupied by the past... We scarcely think of the present, and we think of the future. The present is never ours. Hope to live and to prepare to be happy in that future that may or may never come. The phrase that comes to my mind as I hear these words from Pascal, the mathematician, are these. 
Be mindful. Be present. Be present with the people that are around you. There is no more precious time than you have than right now. You can't solve the past. You can't solve the future. All you have is the present. The kingdom of God is here and yet to come. It's still being revealed. Possessions can become an obstacle to our being present with people. It's a a struggle and it's a fight for me. I'm sure many of you think about this from time to time. You know people who are distracted by their phones or, or thinking about other things all the time and never being present. If we are to take Jesus' teaching at His literal thoughts, all of this stuff is God's anyway. We can't hold on to it. When the end comes, it will go on to someone else. All of these things. I can organize myself around these principles. I will not worry about the past or the future. I will store up wealth into the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Storing up wealth into the kingdom of God. I like what St. Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo, said back in the 4th century. He listened to this parable of Luke about building larger storehouses for one's own leisure instead of building up the kingdom of God. He said, what better storehouse than the stomach's of the hungry and the destitute. They will be far more grateful and likely to glorify God with a full tummy. Amen.